Down by the river, down by the river, we took a little walk. We took a little walk. I'm gonna tell you a story. Dirty Water Sports presents the Down by the River podcast with your hosts Tim Galicio and Paul Testa. Hello and welcome to episode number 16 of Down by the River, a weekly podcast covering the Boston Red Sox from the folks at Dirty Water Sports. I'm Tim Deloisio. He's Paul Testa. And Paul, Red Sox, first place Red Sox looking like they're going to be in it to win it. Uh, yeah, they're playing some... For- a lot better baseball than I gave them credit to be able to play. Um, they 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 took this road trip, this West Coast, this hardly home, this whatever it was, forty four to twenty something games like left in the season. I mean, on the road, and they just demolished it. I mean, and every single time you kind of felt like uh, things were slipping away, they just had a big win and righted the ship. And the best thing about it, or the reason why it's going on, or the biggest reason, is you get you know the performances out of Porcello that is just automatic. David Price has righted the ship. Pomerantz, up until today, had been pitching much better. Buckholtz, out of nowhere. I mean, that's what it boils down to. It boils down to the starting pitching was going out there and delivering the innings that they needed to. And I forget the numbers, but they they were leading the league in the month of, I think, August and September in innings pitch from starting pitchers. They had a streak of starters going into the sixth inning that was, you know, just you know, really long. I don't remember the exact number. Um, and, and that coincided with when they were having the hardest time with the bullpen, right? I mean, how important, given that even when they had great starts, they were still letting some games slip away during that, you know, that 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 kind of thirty game stretch, yeah. Between um, the, the bullpen was was having its moments of failure. Um, imagine if the starters hadn't stepped up, uh, how disastrous that would have become quickly. Because that bullpen, uh, before Koji was back, uh, and you know before you had some help from the September call ups, etc. Uh, yeah, it was it was pretty ugly there for a little while. It was very ugly. Uh, it was it was horrible. There was no. It was the eighth inning nightmare, right? The black yeah. hole. You had no idea. Um, I, you know, part of that could be uh, attributed to um, Ko- Koji being out, right? You know, you you lost your guy there, um, and then just really never settling on uh, a person to handle that inning, uh, and and really, then that trickling down to the the bullpen themselves because they don't know what their role is. Uh, so it was just it was it was kind of like the old bullpen by committee, which we know that failed tremendously. Uh, but it was kind of going back to that mold, and it doesn't work. And the the bullpen seriously suffered. It, it's funny that now that we have Koji back and the eighth inning is kind of set, um, that the bullpen has been pitching a little bit better because they're a little bit more into their roles and understand what they're going to do. Uh, Absolutely. What's more surprising to you, the turnaround we've seen from the starters from where they were maybe, you know, a while back compared with the turnaround the bullpens had, um, you know, over the last little bit, a shorter period of time. But which one surprises you more? I didn't see. Yeah. Surprising me is the bullpen because I, I felt like the bull. It was just a bad bullpen. Like I just kind of felt like I, you didn't. I mean, Tazawa, like he's going out there for big innings, and you're just shaking your head, like why? Like I mean, and then even he's kind of pitched a little bit okay. Uh, I mean, not. Well, I mean, he not, has had eight and nine run leads his last couple outings. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, but the the starting pitching, like, listen. So you know, that's the biggest surprise, right? It, it's a it's a surprise in the aspect where where. Um, David Price struggled for so long, um, and now is pitching like he's he's pitching like an ace. I mean, I mean he's seven and zero with a two one six ERA in his last seven starts. His ERA overall is in the three seven three seven yeah. something um, after last night, I think, uh, and uh, that is um, something none of us ever thought w- was possible. Yep. Uh, Porcello, like he, 
I don't even know what it's like watching him. It's like precision. It's 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 not dominance. It's just a guy going out there doing his job and never losing control of the game. And we, you, you know, you know who it's you know who it reminds me of. Not to the degree, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to put him there, but say. it's <laughs> Greg Maddox. It's I mean, Greg this Maddox. is he, he's he, he's pitching in a manner that I you know I remember Maddox pitching where you're just like. You get to the seventh inning and you kind of look up at the line and it's like two runs on four hits and a walk in like six Ks and you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, that Pretty happened. Good. <laughs> but he's, I mean, he's been doing that all season and it is, I mean, that is such a huge lift for this team. Yeah, Drew Pomerantz, like you know, he a lot of people upset, you know, at the time that the trade, he's done really good. Yeah, and, I mean, uh, take away the, the outing today. Obviously, we're recording, and he, and he kind of threw up a stinker in the second inning today. Yeah. Um, and, and his numbers, when you look at them on the whole, I, yeah. you know, I think he's got the ERA over four, and he's, you know, I forget the the one the one loss is on the negative side um, since he's come. He's been a little bit snake with run support, but when when you look at in that period that the Red Sox needed their starters to give innings, Pomerantz consistently gave you six and seven innings, and um, you know, I think that was really important. So, you know, while while you can look at the at all the numbers and you can look at the guy and say I don't like him, he, he certainly did a, a whale of a job at a time that it was most needed. Yes, uh, even and, Buckholtz, and we talked about. It. I, I mean, once again, he threw up a, a stinker his last outing as as well. But yeah, but let's talk about that for a second. Like, I mean, so you know, Clay, Clay Buckholtz completely turns around his season. You're 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 excited about him. Uh, going to the bullpen helped him out. He got his mind straight. He's coming out. He's pitching lights out. But, but he's really like in a matter of a month has has, has made it so that you're rearranging the rotation for Clay Buckles to pitch a Sunday game in Toronto because of why. In the past, he's really pitched well there. Yeah. Uh, sometimes I, I think that was a bit of a stretch. He goes out has a stinker. Uh, Pomerantz got moved back two days. He has a stinker. I'm not saying it's the end of the world, but like, just ride it as it was going. I, and I understand. Well, but I, the isn't there? So, I mean, if you think about Toronto, isn't there a lefty-righty conundrum there as well? Yeah, I mean, you've got I mean, all those power-hitting right-handers. No you know. doubt about it. No doubt, and it worked. I mean, significantly having the right-hander in there really slowed down those right-handed bats on Sunday. No but, doubt. But about you it. could. <laughs> <laughs> I see you there, Paul. But but you know, I mean, I think that if it's if it's a different team, um, that, that Clay maybe Buckles, my point is, is we rearranged the rotation for Clay, for Clay Buckles. Buckles. That's a fair that, point. It's not that they did it and why they did it. it. It's who they did it for. The guy that we were gonna cut at some point if there wasn't an injury, um, and or at least trade at the deadline for anyone that would take him. Yeah. We're now rearranging the rotation for that guy to pitch. Uh, at the time going in, when it was the decision was made, was was significantly one of the biggest games of the season. Had the potential, yeah. we could have, you know, if we lost the first two games of the Toronto series, that how important that game, and you're putting your eggs in the Clay Clay Buckholtz basket. Uh, Once no, again, no, Poppy no, saving, you know, potentially saving the season with you know, with that home run. I mean, that 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 really was. I think when we look back on the pennant, that has the possibility to be one of the. The deciding games, in a the lot. Pen. Yeah, I mean, I that, mean, so much road on two games up versus even in the standings, um, momentum. Like it, it you, biggest you, win of the you took the no heart doubt. out of Toronto with that with that poppy home runoff, Benoit. Potentially, you took the heart out of it that game. I mean, that in that game, right? No, I mean, like you yeah. at that moment, like you yeah. you gutted them. Yeah, um, whether is... it carries over, you don't know. Oh. Poppy home run? No, Xander, but. I thought it was Poppy for a second because they just yeah. showed him in the on deck circle, and I looked yeah. up and uh, I got a, I got a little overexcited there. Uh. So, well, I mean, the that is a two. We talk about two game swings when when you're playing head to head. That is coming home tied for first place facing the Orioles or a two game lead facing the Orioles. Yep, all the difference in the world. Heck, we could lose these next two games and we're still a game up. I mean that that's huge. Yeah, I mean, and we'll talk about the AL East at large in a little bit because there's, I mean, there are four teams. It's a four-team race, no matter what you want to say about the Yankees, and we'll talk like, about them. I, I mean, we, can, is, we can go there now if you want, 
but, but I, I want to no, get back I, to. I was just going to say that, like, you know, you look at the schedule, and we're going to be saying that for the rest of the season, this is the biggest series of the season. Yeah. Because because you 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 play Baltimore, you need to win the Baltimore series, yeah. and then you got the Yankees in town. You lose four to the Yankees, and all of a sudden, what? They're tied for first, and yeah. <laughs> but, you yeah. know, but. And, and and we'll definitely get to the LS. I do want to just quickly. We talked about the pitching before we go into the into the pennant race, kind of recapping where they've been. I want to go to the other side of the you know, of the ledger here and to the offense. And um, yeah, well, we could say great things about Betts and, and Ortiz and, and everyone, but what Dustin Pedroia has done over the last couple months since moving up to the to the leadoff spot. Um, I mean, it's it's astounding right now. It's the one of the best runs of at bats that I've ever seen, and I've watched a lot of baseball. Like this stretch in the period of time, I was kind of I was I was I was thinking about it today, knowing we were going to do a show. And I'm like, how do you correlate it to like you and I? You know, we're not professional athletes. Clearly, uh, we've played sports. We've been in a zone. Right, you've gotten in a zone. Whether oh, I, I, I broke, I broke, I broke eighty once on a golf course. I was in the zone. Right, right. But it it falls off a cliff when when the zone ends. Like right, like <laughs> yeah. it, you could you could be playing basketball. You hit seven straight three pointers, and then you miss. You know, you, yes. you air ball one, and it's just it's gone. It's it is not leaving him, and it's just so sustained. Uh, and he's squaring up every single ball like it. And it, it's funny that it correlates to him going to the uh, the spot in the batting order which he least likes to be at, and him maybe becoming the best leadoff hitter in all of baseball. Well, you know what's and interesting, this- and I heard I heard uh, oh I forget who was it. I might have to credit Tony Maz today or Shaughnessy, one of the two two people I hate to credit, but talking <laughs> about uh, talking about uh, Pedroia moving up. Um, that he's been more aggressive early in counts since he's been in leadoff spot and. Um, you know, that maybe that's been the, the, you know, that just the mindset where people, you know, he was notorious for taking that first pitch. He'd get down a strike. They'd, you know, pitchers had kind of gotten the habit of grooving a fastball into him. And now being more aggressive up at the top, he's seeing more fastballs. He's hitting earlier in the count. Um, and that aggressive attitude, um, just has him pummeling the ball consistently. Yeah, it's fun to watch too. I mean, it, it, it's is this is two thousand seven, two thousand eight, like Pedroia all over again. Is, is he having know? a better season right now than he had in his MVP year? Yeah, definitely. Hands I mean, down. the power's and, down a little bit. The doubles yeah. are down. The RBI production is down, but he's up in the lineup. I mean, like, there's some things that that I mean, I, I think the last, obviously, the second half of the season is better than anything he did, you know, in that MVP season. Um, but the Red Sox have three people that should seriously be considered for most valuable player. I mean, that is insane. Yeah, I, they may have. I mean, look, Hanley's approaching 100 RBIs. You already have Mookie, David Ortiz at 100. Hanley's approaching 100 RBIs. Um, Xander's get, you know, getting up there. I mean, you've just got – and you, we, Jackie Bradley Jr. is going to be in the 80s or 90s by the end of the season. Um, it's wild, the production – and then you 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 plug a Chris Young in, off the DL, and I mean he just yep. starts hitting. When Benintendi comes back now, um, and if if he if he and Young can can platoon left and right, uh, and I start looking forward to the playoffs a little bit, I'm like, if if you've got both of those guys, ooh, you got a little whoops, little audio, Paul, little audio. I don't know why that happened. The game came on. I know. I'm here. I'm hearing baseball in your background. But, all right. Thank God it was Sorry that browser that. tab and not the other one, Paul. Yeah. Um. But I'm 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 just looking at the the potential platoon of Young and Benintendi, and usually when you have you know a, a platoon, there's like one side you're down on. Right now, I'm right. Yeah. You're I'm pretty all happy. For it. Yeah. Um. What about Mancata? Yeah, that's been the. <laughs> It's been the only uh, outside of Benintendi's injury. It's been the only kind of black mark on the uh, on, on the. But have you ever seen up. anything pulled the like you know just you know pulled the plug on it so fast? Like he, well, he you know, couple... it, it it didn't hurt that Travis Shaw kind of jumped right. Yeah, and Travis Shaw, why don't you instead of you know playing really well when someone's up your ass trying to yeah. uh, take your position? Why don't why don't you try and be consistent all year? 
Like, but I mean, the only time he's not who he is. I mean, he's not. A, I mean, maybe he's not a consistent player, and that's why he will be how, a, a borderline guy. It doesn't correlate. Like, I mean, you know, Panda's going to be taking his position. He he's killing the ball. Yeah. Then we we watch like 190 hitting for the for three months. <laughs> we like screw this. You're not the starter anymore, and he's back to like being you know Adrian Gonzalez, mayor again. of Ding Dong City again, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Obviously, we all would have liked to have seen Moncada you know, come up and 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 do what Benintendi did. Uh, obviously, you know, I think I think it speaks volumes about the the type of player that Andrew Benintendi is compared to speaks negatively about Yoel Moncada. I mean, that jump from Double A up is significant, and. Uh, to do it on raw athletics, uh, you know, athletic ability is really hard. You have to be a baseball player, like, you know, in all sense of the word, like we think Dustin Pedroia is, like we think Andrew Benintendi is, to to make that jump and do what Benintendi did. I mean, I think that's, yeah. that's what that lesson tells me. Yeah. Um, I would have liked, you know, it... it you can't play him in, in, a, in a pennant race. Like I get it, but uh, it it just seemed like the the plug got pulled pretty fast. And uh, he's ending what is what is the minor league player of the year uh, was announced today. He's ending pretty much his season on on a really down note, and I yeah. don't like that. I'd look. That, that's totally like, fair. Totally fair. Now, but in a pennant race. Is that just circumstance? Like, could could you have done anything different? Would you have done anything differently than well, what than he, I, mean, I guess the thing that he looked bad. Don't get me wrong. He he looked okay. He got picked off, and then and then he had those that stretch of two games where he struck out seven times. Like, and seven then he bat struck sets. out every at bat since. Yeah, and every at bat since. But it, but that once he struck out seven times in seven at bats, he was pretty much relegated to the bench and late. Pinch hitting or pinch, pinch running, running and then maybe pinch. Yeah, but don't don't you think that um, the the book got out on his ability to hit a major league curveball, and, and it became pretty apparent that you know he he, he hasn't quite figured that yet. Yeah, it did right. It did. So like when you have a book that that's that I mean this is like Eddie, you know Eddie Rodriguez tipping pitches. You know what I mean? Like it, it it's pretty apparent what's going on, and when people know what's gonna, you know, what they what, what can happen, like when it's a known, it's gonna get taken advantage of, and it's it's over. Valid point. Valid point. Well, I mean, unless you feel like I'm just gonna throw him a fastball instead. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's Pedro uh, Serrano. He's gonna get the fastball. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Buckles would try to sneak a fastball by him. He might. He might. Um, <laughs> so. I mean, offensively, it's it's look. I mean, this team. It seems like everyone kind of is in a rhythm right now. Like this offense is is primed for the pennant run. What we saw, maybe not quite what we saw in April, but pretty close. I mean, like Hanley. Let's let's throw throw some Hanley love out there. You know, the, yeah. What he's done in the last couple months um, has really solidified the middle of that lineup. You know, sure. behind bets and, you know, made it like the, the punishment just keeps on continuing. Um, once when Hanley through... is doing what Hanley can do and not, you know, like he still goes through those weird phases where, you know, there's a runner on first, you're down four, and he's trying to hit a five-run home run. Like it just, you know, it doesn't. Well, he's a firm he's... believer in his abilities, Paul. Right. <laughs> I um... can do it. <laughs> yeah. So he, I mean, he still does go through those stretches, but when he's just – locked in and like trying to get hits and play baseball he i mean who would have thought i mean again someone else that we were trying to trade for anything or just get rid of we didn't want him uh has helped this team beyond uh any expectation that i had for him uh regardless of the salary that he makes i did not expect this from hanley ramirez at all you take this out i mean he's playing he's he's worth his salary right now i mean he's gonna end up he's two two eighty high 20 home runs and over 100 rbis from a first baseman that that is actually fielding the position then yeah i mean that's that's pretty that's pretty solid production unprecedented um (laughs) 
All right, that, let's look ahead a little bit and and and, and talk pennant race, Paul. Which of okay. the which of the teams? New York, Baltimore, Toronto, um, scares you the most in the context of the the AL East division winner. Like, which one of those is going to give you the biggest fight down the stretch, and which one of those teams scares you the most? in an upcoming three- or four-game series? Which one of those teams do you most not oh. want to play? Well, Toronto scares me the most as far as who I think has the potential to win the division over us. Because in my opinion, they have the lineup, and they have the pitching, and um, they can they can go on a run if we catch them bad, which coincides with who do I fear the most. And anytime you talk about uh, – a rivalry or you know in the AL East you got to talk the New York Yankees and you got a young team nothing to lose about. Paul nothing to lose yeah nothing to lose first a lot of them their first taste to the Red Sox rivalry um do they remind coming, you at all yeah. of, the, of, of this Red Sox team last year right now Remember, I mean, remember how 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 those young players just coming up and producing, and like it 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 was like turning the page to the next version of itself. Yeah, I mean, I guess a little bit. Except, I mean, they, I mean, what were they? Were they like nine games out, ten games out when they made all these moves? And yeah, I mean, the Red Sox, like the Red Sox, didn't lose. You know, Andrew Miller and Chapman. You know, they like, I mean, they they made an effort to make their team worse this year to get better in the future. And it's only gotten better. Like they're, it, it defies the bullpen logic. got better, right? Like, yeah. like, that, which is, which is the most astounding part. Um, uh, so they are, they, if they come in here this weekend and take three or four, um, I mean, that's what I'm, I'm scared of them coming in here this weekend and taking three and four more like that. That is what fears me for, from a serious standpoint, just because I believe that there'll be a lot of emotion attached to it and they can taste it. They're they're not out of it. They should be out of it, but they're coming in here with a rivalry, uh, with a chance to jump right back in it. I mean, they take four. We said it. What? They're four games out, I right? Think they're four four out, and yeah. If they, if they if they were to come in and sweep, then yeah, obviously they're at you least look tied at, with us. Yes, but you look at if that happens, us. Baltimore or Toronto or both might leapfrog, and so the Yankees might still be two back of whoever the division leader is, even if they sweep. So it's, yeah. it's, a, it, it, it's complicated, but um, you know, no, no doubt that, you know, that you're right. They can taste it. They are in it. And they're not only fighting for their, you know, their, their lives against the Red Sox in the division. They're, they're in the, in the heat of the wild card race. I mean, they, they are, um, and, and they're, it's, it's an uphill battle there too. I mean, it's. Yeah. You know, I mean, they have a lot of teams to leapfrog, but again, with the end of the season, Three of the teams that they have to leapfrog, they're going to be playing every single day. Like, I yep. mean, we play each other the rest of the way, so they control their own destiny to a degree. Um, it's almost like every just, team they, in the AL East right now controls their own destiny. Yeah. If they just go out the and game. win, yeah, don't lose. Yep. If you go out and yep. win, um, then and no no one more so than the Red Sox, right? I mean, they they are I, I have put Red Sox in the eighteen and oh the rest of the way. They're guaranteed yeah. to win. Guaranteed to win the division. Um. When you look at, at at the season in its entirety, um, one thing that I read today, uh, so uh, Pythagorean wins is often, you know, your expected wins based on run differential. Um, right. Has the Red Sox as, as a better team than they have been? Um, but there's also, I, I saw there's another stat called base runs, which basically says based on, um, instead of looking at run differential, it looks at, uh, the underlying effects that are causing that run differential. So, um, you know, how productive is, is are you being offensively, defensively, and how are you uh, uh, pitching, and how are you comparing to how productive you're being with the end results? Um, mm-hmm. So, by those numbers, the Red Sox should be ten games better than they are right now. So if you go, if you look at the exact number of games that John Farrell has cost us. So, so. this is interesting. So <laughs> they should I mean like if so by base runs perspective you should you know if you look at look up the you can look up the equations and everything on fan graphs it's you know it was a little too meaty to dig into and really explain for you on the podcast so reading homework for yourself but 
you know, the net result is every think of every time that Farrell has screwed a game, every time that um that they've left the bases loaded, right? And and or had bases loaded, no one out and scored one run instead of three. Um mm-hmm. it, it, or, no been a, or no runs, right. Or um when, you know, David Price was pitching well and losing games and giving up four or five runs a, you know. A, a pop earlier in the season because he was snake bitten or bad luck. Um, this Red Sox team, the the article went on to say, has has been by far the class of the division and just hasn't distanced themselves. Um, if they start playing to the and kind of do what it looks like they're doing, which is playing to that potential um, and putting it all together, there's a chance maybe. They can distance. I mean, like they have it in their in their hands to distance themselves from um, the rest of the teams right now. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's a few games left, right? I mean, so we're, we're down to 18 games after tonight, so it's going to be tough to distance themselves because, I mean, if they go 12 and six, well, but I'd say distance. I mean, get get up to like a four or five game lead, right? Like the, to me, that's if the Red Sox got a five game lead in the AL East over the second place team. It, I mean, don't can't you? Well, that's a great really hard. Season. Anyway, I mean, anytime you win the division by five games, like that, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. I, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I think some of it, um, you know, with the run differential and and what we're doing. I mean, you know, does that formula also take into account like you know the 190 runs we scored against Oakland this year? You know, <laughs> like over six. Well, games? and that's where base runs looks to do it, it, it yeah. differently than run differential, which I think kind of, you know, so right. so I think it's. So, um, I I I like the concept of it a little bit better. Run differential takes you know takes some of that context out, right? Yeah. So I mean, it is it it's definitely this team, and I think we've said this most of the season. This is a really good team that wasn't pitching to the potential that they could have pitched to. Yep. And if that righted itself, then they they went from a flawed team to a really good team. And I think we're seeing that now. Now, even when that was happening, we had some problems, you know, from a managerial standpoint, I guess, on on the handling of the bullpen and and costing some games there. And then we've we've talked about early in the show the fact that it's been solidified the eighth inning with Koji going back, but now we're relying on Koji to stay healthy. It's like – this team, I believe, is capable of winning the World Series and competing with the Chicago Cubs for its epic series. Yep. Um, but just all with this team in particular, all the pieces need to be right for that to happen. Because when something becomes a kilter, uh, it seems like we don't know how to manage um, that vacancy that 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 has happened. Or, so or so that you're saying flaw. John John Farrell's not able to adjust. <laughs> <laughs> I would, yeah, I mean, I would say that, and and I've ripped Farrell all year, and uh, and I'm not a fan of him, uh, but he's done a decent job not having to manage over these last three weeks. Like when you don't have to manage, he he holds down the fort pretty well. That was as uh, solid a uh, what, what is a backhanded compliment as I can as I've heard in a long time there, Paul. <laughs> well, I mean, it's just kind of how I feel. Like it's so what, what's going to happen? And I hope I'm, you know what, Tim. I I want them to win the World Series. Obviously, um, I know that means John Farrell sticking around for a long time. If that happens, I'm certainly not rooting for them to lose. Right. Uh, I just, from everything that we've seen this season, like you can see, like you, you just don't become a better manager or a better in-game decision maker. I believe after how many years being a manager, um, you know, four with the Red Sox, or, three with yeah, Toronto. Four, Three with Toronto, whatever, or two, I don't even know. I mean, that's a lot of managerial years where you consistently in, bad in game. Yeah, we, but you can see that the pitching's turned around and they become better pitching. Like David Wright, I mean, David Wright, David Price is, uh, uh, dare I say, like comfortable, like pitching, like has a swagger about him now. Well, uh, you go back to, I mean, the, the, it really does all coincide with Brian Bannister. Right, coming on and 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 starting to work with these guys, which you know is it. If he made that much of a difference, like kudos to the whole organization for figuring that out and and bringing him on and and to him, right for yeah. for the change. I don't know how much is attributable to him, but I'm pretty certain that it, listen, 
like it's been documented that Rich Hill's turnaround was brought about by conversations with Brian Bannister. Yep. Rich Hill now is the number one free agent pitcher going in, into the offseason. Like uh, last season was like, is this guy good? Let's just yeah, let's throw some money at him and and see. Now he's good. Like I mean, Brian Bannister. So it's not you can't say it's a coincidence. Like. It, I, no one's really talking about it, which is weird. Like, you, you know, you have these beat writers that are there day in, day out. Like, are they not asking the question or do they just not want to um, throw Carl Willis under the bus uh, and, and say that it's Brian Bannister? Like, to me, there needs to be a significant article. Like, what the F did Brian Bannister do with David Price? What did he do with Clay Buckholz? What did he do uh, uh, with with Rick Porcello? Like, what what is he doing? What is that's different that is making these guys pitch better because I believe it is truly um, obviously Brian Bannister doesn't give him the talent but whatever he's doing he's he's putting them in the best position to well, succeed. And, and that's I, a great point it's like what is he doing is it is it mechanics analysis is it mental is it is it strategy is it all of the above is it, it like which which piece is he which uh, which lever has he been pulling or does he really have all these levers and he knows which one to pull for which pitcher at the you know I don't I don't know and and then that speaks to all right well but I'll tell you should this he much, be the, should he be the pitching coach next year or is, he, is this little consultant role like give him more freedom to to work with the pitchers in a different way and is that is that what makes him successful I don't know. It is what it is. I mean, it, it, that was really profound. It is it what, is it, what is, it is. It is what it is, Paul. <laughs> no, here's the deal. It is what Brian Bannister wants it to be, and yeah. the team needs to adjust to what he wants it to be. Right up until I – mean, I mean, probably the limit I have is him saying I want to be the manager of the team. But, like, if he if, – if he because, like, in other words, if he wants to be a pitching coach and the Red Sox say, no, we're going to stick with our boy, good old boy Carl here um, – Someone else is going to want him to be the pitching coach, and he's yep. you're going to lose him as an asset to the organization. So right now, that's what I think. You know, you don't want to lose it. So it's whatever he wants wants it to be. Like whatever role he wants, uh, you give him as long as he's giving that type of because he, he's apparently good at his job. Yeah, right. He, he, apparently. <laughs> yeah. So and you're you're not like questioning him, like and maybe that's because he doesn't have a. A role on the bench or whatever, but it, it just seems like whatever he's doing is working, and uh, that decision came from the front office and not from the on-field managers. Uh, I don't I, I management team, and I don't believe necessarily. That, I, I certainly don't think Carl. It's Carl Willis, right? Carl Willis, yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I don't think Carl. One Yeah, was too too thrilled with the decision. I don't think John Farrell was too thrilled with the decision, uh, but it worked, uh, and. Tough noogies. <laughs> um, coming down the stretch here, Paul. Uh, what are the most important things that need to keep happening that that have been going well for the Red Sox for them to, you know, close the door on the AL East? Uh, I mean, really, it's just it's it's doing what they've been doing. Like, I mean, it's 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 going. I mean, I can't say like, oh yeah, we can afford. I mean, we're down to eighteen games. We can't afford a couple stinkers. Like, we can't. We have to go out. We have to pitch well every single night. The bullpen needs to be solid, and good baseball management decisions need to be made uh, in tight games. Um, I'm confident that two of those three can definitely happen, and. Uh, Hopefully, some lessons are learned. Like, well, look, I mean, I, I think tonight's game, Paul, is a good a good example of what needs to happen down the stretch. It Pomerantz gives up two home runs in the second inning. They're down five nothing. There are times this season where this would have been in a nine one game, and the bullpen would have been out there just you know giving it up, and you would have seen like no fight from the offense, and you know it would have steamrolled into three bad games in a row. Sure. Okay. Instead, it's 5-3. The bullpen has held the line. The offense is trying to, you know, chip away. Um, they left some chances out there, no doubt. But, um, you know, it, if they're competitive in the games where, you know, I don't know, in a baseball season, there are going to be games 
you know, within a three-game series where you know you just don't have it that day. It's not your day, right? You could take right. two out of three, but one of those games, you know, you just get the feeling that, you know, that you're chasing it. Well, if they can stay competitive in those games, I think that's a really good sign. And, and that's what they've done tonight, turned a potential ugly loss into something that could turn into something better. Um, and, you know. I, I, think well, I mean, the positive sign. from tonight, regardless, I mean, so, you know, Pomerantz didn't have his A game tonight. Obviously, he didn't have his C game tonight. Um, but, uh, you know, the positive is the bullpen. I mean, scoreless since they've gone in. Like, that's big. Um, those, those are the things. What I fear most about this team going down the last 18 games is an injury, another injury to the bullpen where it just wreaks havoc. On, on who's being used where and whatnot. I'm really you're talking no- Kimbrel, Koji, Ziggler, right? Well, then you, yeah, you can do, you know, you can, you, you don't have to, you can match Ziggler the way that they want to match him, which I don't think has been good for Ziggler, but that seems to be what they want to do. They, they clearly don't have faith in him facing a lefty, even though, like, I mean, if you look at his splits, they're not terrible. I mean, 291 home run against lefties. 241 home run against righties. I think the key thing on that is he's given up two home runs all year. That sometimes you need that. Like late <laughs> in the game, a guy that's not going to give up a bomb. Yeah. And he uh, uh, you know what's interesting? It's it's just when you think about the bullpen, think about a uh, kind of playoff construction of the bullpen. Um, the Pomerantz becomes a really interesting guy because you, you figure there's a good chance that you know he could be someone you see in the bullpen, uh, you know, a lot to get key lefties out or um, to get a couple innings. And, you know, he he really fits a good role there, I think. Potentially, uh, yes. I mean, here's what I'm going to say in regards to that is regardless of how you look at the postseason, you cannot be a three-man rotation in the postseason. It doesn't work. The math doesn't hold. True. Um, so you need to be a four-man rotation. So you're, I say to you, do you want Drew Pomerantz to be that fourth starter or do you want Clay Buckles to be that fourth starter? Um, with the assumption that Stephen Wright is not going to pitch again this year yeah. because um, he you know, was asked to pinch run when he doesn't run. But here nor there. At least um, he wasn't the staff at that point. Oh, wait, he was. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, you know, he, here's what I would say is you have a Ziggler, right, mm-hmm. for righties. You have a Robbie Ross for lefties. You, you know, like Pomerantz actually serves a need in the bullpen. Sure. Buckholtz, you know, would be an asset, don't get me wrong. He'd be some, but he doesn't. Do something other people can't do that would be on the roster uh, in the nothing, bullpen. There's nothing more attractive to me right now than Clay Buckholtz coming in uh, in a 3-2 game in the seventh inning, um, just trying to lock down that inning, get it, getting it to Koji. Pretty certain that he can handle that pressure. The guy's never looked scared a day on the mound. <laughs> uh, no, not looking forward to that. But I you think? Seen- I mean, if it's if it's the fourth game of, of a of a series, you and you've got Pomerantz or Buckholtz. Look, start Buckholtz and save Pomerantz for long. If you get a good start out of Buckholtz, then you have Pomerantz in 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 a potential key situation. You know, what if you're down three zero? What if you're down two one? Well, if you're down if you're down three zero, you're 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 probably pulling Price up the up the line, aren't you? Potentially, I mean, depending on how the days fall. Um, uh, Well, then call it two one. Do you want to go down three one and then have Price pitch the next? Well, that's where I'm or... saying is if you if you're if you're going to pitch that either Pomerantz or Buckholtz, you're going to assume that one of those guys in Game Four, if you're down two one, is going to have a short leash if things go, you know, slightly the wrong way. Yeah, right. And and, and if I you've got I... a short leash, yeah. I'd rather have the short leash Buckholtz starting Pomerantz backing up than the other way around. Yeah, I mean that's just because I like the flexibility the of game, having Pomerantz if, in the what, pen if things the go well. What if the day before the game went uh, 17 innings and Pomerantz pitched four innings? Well, like, I mean, these are so many different scenarios. I, when you I, I, put I, a guy into into a relief role uh, that can make them unavailable. Uh, very true. Did... Now, Stephen Wright could pitch those four innings and still pitch the next day, like we know Knucklebellers can. Right. But no, no, he's not available to us, Paul. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um.
David Ortiz. Ortiz. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I didn't. I'm not sure how to frame it. I wanted to transition, but I, you know, like the the man is beyond words. So I don't, I don't quite know, uh, you know, how, how to transition. So we'll just go right there. Um, have you come to grips yet, Paul, with the the fact that we've got now what you we're down to seven after you know seven eight David Ortiz Fenway Park regular season games remaining and and ten more on the road down to his last eighteen you know seventeen regular season games um, has has that have you started watching him differently over the last two weeks knowing that it's the end or because I mean for me. I just haven't accepted it yet because I'm still just watching him play like I always have and, and admiring and, and just, you know, enjoying that it hasn't sunk in yet. Yeah, no, I'm not. I mean, I'm not. I'm not watching him like it's the end or like it, it's, uh, you know, like I'm just watching him like I'm watching him to win baseball games and to, and to play at a high level. Uh, that's – there's nothing nostalgic that I'm watching David Ortiz. It doesn't – because like you said, it doesn't feel like it's the end. Um, even though it is the end, he's just playing at such a high level. We're watching zero decline. Uh, but speaking of him and his retirement, and I um, I wanted to uh, to talk about like San Diego. Like number one, like San Diego probably gave like Great the point. best gift out of anyone. And he, he's played what? Was that, those his first games there ever? <laughs> or... I don't know. That's I think they played. He played out there once. I think once before. Um, okay. it, they did an interleague series a few years ago there, I yeah. believe. Um, but not many times. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, it literally. I mean, that was like an unbelievable uh, gift that that David Ortiz is presented with, uh, hosted by our great Don Orsillo, uh, who did a fantastic. Now, do you think the gift was better because Orsillo was there and gave? Yeah, like that. The, there is just a little bit of something. Would that have been the exact same? Yeah, I, organization I do. League? Like, I mean, I, so I, I, it'd be funny because I don't know. Like, I mean, with Jeter, did they play the Padres that year? Like, what did they give Jeter? And then, it, well, they probably a surfboard, didn't a surfboard it, 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 with Jeter watching the ball go through his legs. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but it it was uh, it, I was I was like wow that was a really I thought it was a really cool gift and 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 classy for San Diego to do uh, and, and and honor David Ortiz uh, before that last game and I guess yeah maybe a part of it had to do with with Donnie uh, being uh, part of that team now and and his history with David Ortiz I'm sure they they wanted to do something and and um, really kind of bring Orsillo and Ortiz back to the Red Sox fans base, I guess is a dumb, but I will say this. Um, I did watch three games, uh, uh, with the San Diego feed. Me too. Uh, and I, again, seems like I'm, I'm negative on a, on a lot of things. And I, I tried honestly not to be, but John Farrell being the manager really bothers me. And, and the loss of Don Arcillo has bothered me all year and ever since it happened. Uh, and I will just say it was, it was thoroughly enjoyable and it's not necessarily it's, and this is what I took away from that, Tim is, is it's not Don Arcillo. It's what Don Arcillo gets out of the other people around him. It's uh, fun. It's, it, yeah. it, 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 it's silly. It's goofy. Uh, no. but without, um, demeaning the game in any way. It's not. It's not over the. T- it's not. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. He, he, there's nothing. He, there's nothing. There's nothing. Um, what do they call it? Media guide yeah. oriented with 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 the Don Arcillo broadcast. And I think I remember saying that to you when we, we were evaluating O'Brien. And it was like, um, and I think I used whenever Troy Tulowitzki went to bat early in the season. Like I don't care that in fifth grade. That he, you know, he told his teacher he wanted to be a major league baseball player, and that teacher told him, uh, "You need to get more realistic in your goals." Uh, and he sure showed him, her, him or her wrong. Like that brought nothing to the table for me. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like people make fun of the pizza incident. People make fun of the, like you know maybe that. Yeah, it was a boring game. It was a funny event, and they made a huge thing that was hysterical out of it. You know, they show clips. Whatever. I guess what I'm saying is I really missed missed it, and I thoroughly enjoyed those those three games the most out of any broadcast this entire year. I, I would absolutely agree with you. Um, you know that. Yeah, I, absolutely. There, 
I can't I can't disagree. Um, it was it was funny having the feet on. It was. It was almost like coming home again a little bit, right? Like it was just it, it, it uh, baseball made sense. <laughs> Listening to Don Marcillo, it was so familiar. Uh, so we're fans, right? Or we're, like I guess you know, like we, we're not, a, we're certainly not media people, right? right? I mean, we do this little podcast, but we're fans. But I would say you and I. We care about the media more than like almost sports in general. Like we we follow it. We yep. like, we 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 analyze analysts. Like we talk. There's something that generally as as you and I being friends for 25 years, it's something we talk about quite a bit. Absolutely. Um, when I hear Dave O'Brien's a good broadcaster, when I hear um, people just like Dorcillo and they're not giving O'Brien uh, thing, like it kind of incenses me because. I'm not. Ever, I'm never saying that Dave O'Brien's not a good broadcaster. Right. Like, it, like it's not the point. The but he's point, not your broadcaster. It's not necessarily. He's not my. Bro- like he's not our collective broadcaster. That's what Marcillo was ours. Right. So if you if you take it in a bowl, like when people say like he's actually a better broadcaster than Don Orsillo, I would say how. Give me one way how he is. Like. Yeah, I, look, I, I, um, when you listen to when you listen to him do national games, like I thought that he was one of the better national guys. Who out Dave there? O'Brien. O'Brien. Like when yeah, you do did, the did, ESPN did, games. Did Don Arcillo do TBS? You know, games? I like. I, I'm oh, not talking. This yeah. is just taking not taking the comparison. Yeah. Just saying, you know, when we talk about O'Brien, um, I like O'Brien doing national games more than I like him doing Red Sox games. Would be how sure. I was going to sum that up, right? Like I really. I, I I like him doing national games. Um, I uh, I really like him on other sports. I love him calling college basketball. Sure, like I think he's 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 got a great like there's so so that it um, okay to yeah, me so that it didn't maybe, work. Maybe more talented. Maybe more uh, versatile. Uh, maybe, and I don't even know yeah. if that's the case. But but I guess what I'm saying is uh, I'm I I thought. Uh, quite frankly, that I would like O'Brien more. Not that I like him more than Orsillo, but I would like him more than I have liked him. I did think that. But do you like him? Like, I, that, I, I guess know. that's a question that I would have for anyone. Like, he's a non-entity to me as a Red Sox broadcaster. It, like, exactly. It's that's that's my point. Is you had something that yeah. was good that people actually wanted to watch. Uh, that would stay in in a, in a blowout game just to hear that person where you – literally you have elevator music. And when you put him yes, and Lions – That's exactly what together, it is. It's elevator it's music. background music. Like it's – you're not yeah. – I'm not listening to a word he has to say the entire game. Nothing. And and, and th- thank God Eck pops in every now and then because – yeah. It's about the only enjoyable thing right now in the for me in in a Red Sox broadcast. Um, well, Remy's done a good fine job this year, I will say. Um, in, I, in his four games, yeah. I, again, um, you know, Chad Finn disagreed with me on Twitter yesterday. I, I do saw that. think. Now, what uh, was he disagree with? It was. I was trying to get the context of his disagreement. He just he tweeted that, out that X doing the next three games, yeah. and I said. And I, I kind of thought like this was natural time for Remy to come back, um, and I was like, and Remy over the weekend was retweeting a lot of things that said that they missed Remy in the booth, which you don't see Remy do, right? Like I've so never you thought seen... he was kind of pining to, yeah, like almost like, like John Dennis did when he was on his way out. He was kind of just stirring the pot a little bit. Yeah, and I so I had said when he said that I said I'm not complaining. I like Eck. I think Eck's great. I'm glad. Uh, but you know, it seems to me like there's some bad blood brewing between Nesson and Remy. And he's you know responded back that you know he actually thinks it's never been better. Right. And it, he was saying the relationship between Nesson and Remy Nesson has and Remy. never been better. Yeah. Right. In, which, in which, recent... we, which we would imagine he might have sources. Um, yeah. That that but that is surprising to me because yeah, I was it, shocked too. And I was, I, and the only reason that I said it to him, and, and number one, I said it because you know maybe he would give a tidbit if he knew something, and he did. He did. That's you know? a tidbit, I think. Yeah. But I was thinking maybe like I nailed it. <laughs> but <laughs> you, you, you didn't want to be wrong in right. you with the tid, proven wrong with the tidbit. But hey, and, you uh, got the tidbit. Yes, and but I, you know, I thought with with 
there was two or three that I saw that said just, you know, enough with Steve Lyons. It was like he was retweeting enough with Steve Lyons. Let's get Remy back in the booth. Like that's pretty bold and to do uh, to re- now to retweet something like that. I, I don't think it's pretty bold to say enough with Steve Lyons in any context, Paul. No, absolutely like, not. I, I think that's, <laughs> that's fair from, from anyone at any time. Mm-hmm. Um, man, poor, poor us for having to listen to Steve Lyons ever. I, I think this will be the end of it. Uh, here's the thing. If Chad uh, – here's my – if Chad is dropping hints that Nesson's not happy uh, or, or is hearing – the public backlash against Steve Lyons, that leads me to believe that some action will be taken, um, and there'll be a lot less Steve Lyons. I don't know. I think his contract's one more year after this. I think he had gotten a three-year deal uh, or four-year. I don't even know. But I would be surprised if uh, if that's being leaked out through Chad or he he's comfortable saying on the basis that Nesson – is having its doubts. There's some serious doubts, and hopefully, it's the end of the the Steve Lyons regime. I, I look, you you know we're you know uh, uh, unabashed Eck fans on the podcast here. I mean, I'm, yeah, like if you, he he actually has started to even bring a little bit out of O'Brien. I mean, they, yeah. they, there's more personality out of out of O'Brien when when Eck is is in the booth than anyone else, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, and so you know, you go back and like again comparing to Orsillo, maybe unfairly, whatever it may be. But you, you like, if it feels like O'Brien's head is in the media guide, yep, looking for his next line. The well, entire you know, may, maybe the answer is not interacting with his counterparts. Well, you know, and maybe the answer is a three-man booth with O'Brien, Eck. And someone else that brings personality that can play off Eck. And O'Brien just does the straight stuff, but there's less of it because there's a third man. And, and, like, what if you brought Merloni, Eck, and O'Brien together? Yeah, I mean, for I example. Don't, I, like, I'm not. Gonna, again, we're now we're talking about eliminating Remy, right? Because Remy doesn't work, work with a three man booth. In yeah, but I'm, I'm, I'm envisioning, I don't see Remy as a, a, a you know, a Vin Scully, is a, like someone that just goes until they're like, Oh no! Until I mean, the, you know, forever. Like I, I think mean, he was cut down to. I mean, it's at least is it fifty games maybe yeah. this year. Yeah, like, I would I, think so. But, uh, but, but, but let's assume that we, he's in a, like a three-year horizon, right? You know, at some. So point. the only thing, yeah, the only thing I say is like I'm not pushing Remy out. It was a time that I was, but uh, or kind of getting tired of him. I honestly do think the tragedy that happened in his family, um, kind of killed the Rem dog a little bit, like. That yep. And, and, and it made him a well, better... And, and also, what, the, the restaurants all seemed to close, you know, yeah. poorly. Like, the brand just took a huge, you know, a huge hit that he had become. Right. So, and he focused on really what he was good at, which was being a baseball analyst. Um, and he's done really well with it. Uh, but, so I'm not advocating him going, but yeah, like, if O'Brien does play-by-play, and you just bring another personality in there, that could work. And maybe it is someone like Lou Maloney, which, by the way, if you listen to Lou uh, do any of the radio games that he does, he's really good at his job. He really, like, and, and they've been doing the three-man booth with him yeah. on the radio with, yeah. with Never and, and Kinstig, and yeah, I mean, I think he's, I, th- I think he's fantastic. Um, and if you bring Angry Lou to the television booth with that analysis, oh. that would work. Well, that and, would and, work. and it'd be great if he and if he and X. You know, who knows how friendly they are? If you know, if but it'd be great if they had a little bit of a, you know, just, you know, just enough to to rub each other every now and then, um, right. and 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 just kind of uh, bring some, you know, real debate into the booth, right? Like I I I, I don't always want to hear yes 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 and agree agree agree, right? Like I want to hear. That's all you hear from lions. Like oh my god, <laughs> everything's like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, you, well, <laughs> Steve Lyons. I just, I, yeah, that one, that one will boggle my mind for a long time. Where I want to see what film they saw at any point that led them to well, believe Tim, that that was a good idea. Look at the people running Nesson. Like I'm not like I mean, what dis- what good decision did they make besides Eck falling in their lap? 
They have Jim Rice doing post game. Yeah, that like, was I mean, Rice and Rice and Wake. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, fun. Terrible. Uh, you know, Tom Karen. Yeah, he's good. I mean, they they have certain, but you know, they also. I yeah, mean, but they remember, doubt, remember when they had they Jim Corsi, Paul? Boot. I mean, huh? they they did hire Jim Corsi at that. that, that that's that right. Time. Yeah, but that they, was the best. <laughs> no, but it, here's the thing. There wasn't one bad thing that was said about the broadcast with Don Arcillo in it, no, and they thought they could, and, and, and they thought to make it better. Like when you have a winning formula, you don't think to make it better. Um, I, I agree with that. I, I, yeah. and, and now so, the question is, how do you fix what is clearly a uh, a lacking product? Yeah, the only way to do it, I think, is and, and it's great point by you, is the way that you just recommended it, and that's making it a three man booth and adding personality to play off with that because the, that's the thing. It, nothing, there's no personality to the booth. Like I said, it's background music, it's elevated music. That's that's what I'm listening to. I, yeah. I get good analysis from Eck. Not gonna get good analysis from Remy, but I don't get any chemistry in the booth. Fair, f- fair criticism, absolutely. Um. But let's just since we're on the on the media side, Paul, um, and this just popped in front of my television. Uh, Garen Austin, are you a Garen Austin fan or a Gary Streisky fan, Paul? Um, I don't think I'm a real fan of. I mean, I I, I like Gary. Like, I'm not gonna lie. Like, he, he I cracks think Gary, me. Gary, yeah. Gary had so in in that role. I think yeah. you need to you need to not be full of yourself. You need to not be yeah. a serious journalist right you need to you need to be able to have fun and and take things kind of sideways and still deliver some good like you know some good information you have to do a little bit of both and you know i think rochi did it back in the day he's the best at it and you know gary's the closest thing since so uh, yeah Yeah. he's got that nice hair certainly better to look at but um, (laughs) it's uh no, I mean, I, 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 I do. I think, uh, and I, and I think he's, he has talent. Like, I, 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 he, he's good in front of the camera. He's comfortable, and he, like you said, he can make fun of himself, uh, which is, which is good. And that was actually, again, now you're bringing up another sore subject because that's something you don't see this year. Is the booth just ripping apart Gary? Like, you know, during the whole game of a blowout. Yep. You know, like you got that in years past with a different booth. Absolutely. Um, again, made the game enjoyable in a blowout. Well, Paul, I, yeah, maybe we just need to root for no blowouts on, on, the, <laughs> on, the, on the downside. No, but then it's just so. background music and you're just enjoying the game. That's my <laughs> that's my whole point around the whole thing is, like, it was fun. It was still it was still fun to watch. Um, and now, now if we, like, uh, perfect example. Now, not a perfect example. Sunday football's on, but as soon as – Buckholtz gives up that, you know, that bomb. Uh, yep. I, I turned the game off and I went like, and my team wasn't playing until four, but I watched the Red Zone channel. I was like, this game's over. I have nothing, even though it wasn't turned to be come back. I flipped back to it. Yeah, it's like no you, keep, you, you, put, you put it on MLB game day and you're just kind of watching yeah. the box score tick up and waiting for a time to turn back. Right. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Um, all right, Paul. Uh, let's take the pulse right now. We're, season comes to an end. Where are your Boston Red Sox? We'll ask this every episode to, from now to the end of the season. We'll see if we'll see if we're consistent. Um, so I am going to say that, um, in my belief, the Red Sox will be in the wild card game. I do not think they win the division as of right now. Very interesting. I, I, I I'll I, now that will change. Immediately after, I am really nervous about this weekend against the Yankees. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I could feel, I could feel that just the Yankee nerve, mm-hmm. uh, you know, emanating through the computer screen here, Paul. Yeah. If it was yeah. anyone but the Yankees, would I mean? If we if let's we, just say right now we were finishing up a three-game set against the Yankees instead of the Orioles, we knew it was going to be two-one, one-two either way, and it was a four-game set against Baltimore coming up. Would you feel differently? Yeah, I would. I think this team can beat Baltimore. Like, I, I, and I think the team can beat the Yankees. Here's, I'm just nervous with a lot of these guys. The first taste of what's going to happen. Listen, we if we win tomorrow, right? We go two and one against them. It it 
changes a lot. We could lose three or four to the Yankees, and it's not the end of the world. Yeah. Uh, but if we lose these next two, and then we lose three out of four to the Yankees, it, it's it's a scary time. So if we go two and two against the Yankees and we win tomorrow, this division is ours. We're not. There's no way we're losing it. There we go. So it's so it's talk to me again next week. Yeah, and that we will, Paul. Uh, next week, uh, one week closer to the to the end of the baseball season, we'll be back with you, taking the pulse uh, of the pennant. And uh, until then, that's been episode number sixteen of Down by the River.